Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Afterwork Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, this is the last time you'll be hearing that for a couple of weeks. Yes, <laughs> we announced are... it early. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll start with a, with a strong note. Um, PSA. Yeah. yeah. So we're taking a little break after this episode for three weeks. Um, because basically we want to die every single time we have to record over Skype and it is such a mission. And right now Grace's laptop is like louder than, I don't know, a war. It's like a bloody, it's like a bloody rocket, like <laughs> launching off into space, like the Apollo 11. So, and it's just the frustration we can't begin to explain to you. That, and, and we're sure that you experience it as listeners. <laughs> The frustration of not being in the same room together where it's just so much easier technically and just like Normally. emotionally <laughs> yeah. to like record this kind of thing. This concept does not work over time zones and over Skype. Like it does work, but it doesn't work as well. Um, and yeah, we're just really in need of a bit of downtime because we have all these amazing ideas of people that we're going to have on as guests like concepts that we want to start launching and things that we want to do and things that we want to be throwing our energy into and we're just at this kind of standstill at the end of the year where we can't really do any of it till we're back together Mm. um and we just want it to be the best possible thing for you guys because we love you and care about you and we need a break (laughs) (laughs) this sounds like a eulogy um yes it actually does and also we I feel guilty. I feel like I have like emotional labor about us taking a break, but it's No, you know. we, everyone takes a break. And also we came into year two in September and we were always planning to have like a little break at the end of our first year, but then we just carried on because we were scared and we were like I don't know, we wanted to do it every week. But then it'll be so good because if we take a break now, the next episode that we come back will be Grace's first week in London. And we will be in the ACAST studios, which is a professional podcast recording environment with a sound engineer. And it will all sound pristine and perfect. And we would have had a chance to have a wine. 
Yeah, Izzy's drinking out of a pot of bloody black coffee right now. It's a total mood kill. <laughs> At least you're on the wines. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I think another thing is before we started recording today, we were talking about because we both suffer from anxiety. And I don't know, sometimes I forget that some people might not have listened to our entire back catalogue where they know all these different things about us. Like we still get messages with people being like, who's who? Because they've just started listening. Right. So people don't know that we are anxious psychos. and Yeah, we we both have quite serious anxiety. <laughs> and then before we started recording today, we just came on and um, Grace pressed, I don't know, hello on Skype, whatever the thing is, answer. And then she was like, oh, someone looks not very happy. I was like, what's wrong? Like, Izzy just looks like ashen in the face as if some fucking massive tragedy had just happened. And I was like, I know the feeling. I dropped two because if we're being, Yeah, if we're being super honest, like, you know, moving overseas seems all, like, fun and glamorous and there's, like, obviously so many fantastic things about it, but it's anxiety-inducing, it's nerve-wracking. Not only are we moving overseas, but we're going from kind of secure jobs in in industries that we worked a really long time and really hard to get into into freelance which is a very scary uncertain thing and if you have anxiety like it exacerbates it obviously did not have the security of a full-time gig um and it's not all you know roses at the wing and (laughs) so there is gonna be that so there will be that you know it's like it's not all What's the thing in roses? Uh, Fun and roses? I don't know. Am I thinking of guns and roses? I don't know. Guns and roses? It's not all sunshine. It's, it's not all guns and roses. Yeah, it's not all, yeah, sunshine. We get stressed and freaked out and we just thought that we were, like, talking about that. Then we're like, this is probably the exact kind of thing that some people might want to hear. hear from us. Yeah, and I think London as well. Um, is one of those things where you make a move and you think it's all very exciting and everyone's like, oh, amazing, you're moving overseas. Oh, amazing, you're working for yourself. Oh, you're doing this. But myself, like, I found it, I found it really hard quitting work because it was suddenly it's like, yeah, I've worked so hard to get to this place and then you're being like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. What's next? And then going into this weird kind of, it kind of felt like this midlife crisis where I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore, but I don't know what I really do want to do, but I want to work with Grace and then moving country at the same time. And also like the same thing with a bunch of my friends who have moved here too. I just think like you, you kind of just think you're going to move. And even though people are like, oh, it's hard when you arrive, you think that you're going to sort of land on your feet. It's a big thing. And I think it's also like we work in, industries where your identity becomes very very intrinsically tied to where you work and what you do for a living and you after a certain amount of time like after a certain amount of years um you start to wonder like who you are without that um job or without the like association of your job because we live like when you work in that industry in any like not in necessarily just in a creative industry it happens in all sorts of industries but in creative industries it's not just a job. It's like your entire life. It's been our entire social lives. It's been our social media lives. It's been our like physical lives, being at work and mm. working really long hours. It's infiltrated everything about us. And I think there's this extra level of anxiety and fear and like identity crisis 
that comes with leaving high pressure jobs like that. Yeah, and it's it was funny. We were watching the other day the Devil Wears Prada came on TV and it was that, you know, that that line where he's like a million girls will kill to be in this would kill to be in this job. So then suddenly you feel like indebted to them and you don't want to leave and like you need to do a really good job. When I was looking at Anne Hathaway and Devil Wears Prada, I was like, she'll be getting paid about ten dollars a day to work her mm. ass off in a job that she's like just getting coffee for people. Like obviously she doesn't like yeah. it. I feel like there's this thing that happens when you make a move that's like risky or scary where the natural thing is to kind of double down when you're talking to people or friends or whatever and be like, oh, it's amazing. I've got this lined up and this lined up and this and blah, 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 and it's going to be great. And like, yeah, it's really good. And like you kind of don't want to like show a chink in your armor because you have this fear that if you acknowledge that like you don't know if it's going to work out or not or you don't know if it's going to be totally okay or that you don't know where all your money is going to come from or whatever, that that somehow delegitimizes what you're doing. Mm. I think there's like a habit that people have totally in general where we don't like want to acknowledge our fears because you don't want to be seen like it's obviously shown as like a weakness to show vulnerability or fear or, or self-doubt. But I think it's really, really important because you do that and you start talking to people like that and in the main – people will respond in a genuinely open way back to you. Like I feel like any time that I expressed out to people or express like, you know, I'm actually kind of freaked out about this. I end up having a really fantastic conversation with someone who's like, you know what, actually when I went, like when I moved overseas, it actually took me like six months to a year to get to the place that I wanted to be. And I actually had to go and do like a part-time job somewhere that you know, like that I didn't necessarily want to work. And it took me quite a long time and it was really scary at first. And I had lots of nights where I was crying and freaked out and blah, blah. But eventually I chipped away and I landed on my feet. But when you ask them about it the first time, they're like, oh my God, it was the best thing ever. And it was blah, mm. blah, blah. And you didn't know any of that. Yeah. And also I think everyone forgets that when – when someone has a job, they got rejected from a bunch beforehand. Like my, my really good friend just got an amazing job at an amazing company, which I go like every other day because she gets fed free food every day and it's amazing. Um, until you discuss that, you don't realize how many jobs that person went through before they landed on their feet and got this one. Like you don't, you don't know like how stressed they were or how many rejections they got. All you see is like the flashy thing that they're really happy and successful and doing well. Yeah, exactly. It's like this secret thing that we're all walking around carrying and we're all walking around carrying this like fear of not being perfect or fear of things not working out or fear of people thinking that we're not successful. It's okay if you're not like killing every single life goal right now. Like that's that's kind of fine. Mm. I feel like people need to say that more. Yeah, I feel like this is a good conversation. We weren't even going to talk about this on the podcast. We were just talking about this beforehand. Yeah, I know. We're like, and Izzy's like, and we're going to have this conversation and then we're going to record the podcast and we're going to be like, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> we're both secretly going to be like losing our shit and like anxious messes. I'm like, let's just talk about that. Yeah. A new, um, we haven't talked about anxiety in ages, but a new um, thing that I've discovered about mine is that I feel, I think this has been going on for ages, but I've only just really identified it is I feel really overwhelmed by like the smallest tasks. So something, Mm -hmm. and I think even more so now that I'm freelance because you have to really prioritize your tasks properly or you can get overwhelmed. But like I will start to think of the smallest thing in the world. If the bed isn't made, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. There's too much to do Mm -hmm. today. I'm too stressed Mm -hmm. out. Or if I have to put washing on plus make myself lunch plus write an article with a deadline and then record the podcast. I'm like, that's too much. 
which is just crazy. So yeah, it's. It, I think it's just it's a sign of like how perspective is every like your thought process approaching something is always the key thing because the actual th- things stay the same. Mm. Like, know what I mean? Like the things that need to be done are always just base level. Like they're just facts, and like how you approach it is just a hundred percent whether you're a happy person or not. Like yeah. I realized that recently. Like I was going to work. And it was just the weather is beautiful in Sydney, and I was like, but I lost my AirPods case, and then I found it. So I was listening to the to music for the first time in two weeks, and I was just so happy. Like I felt the happiest I'd felt probably in like years. I don't know. I was just so happy on the train, and then like excited about the move, excited about everything. We're making it sound all doom and gloom. We're really excited. We just wanted to acknowledge the difficult parts of it. Yeah. But I was so happy, and then all of a sudden my brain went to like. It literally went to like, um, which people didn't come to your going away party on Saturday. Like, like it was like, why do, it was literally like, why don't you think about that? Yeah, and Grace, like, Dr- Grace drunk messaged me, being like, these. Yeah. I feel like these people hate me, and I was like, I think that they're just busy. Yeah, but but, but, but it's like, anxiety. Yeah, that was f- four days later or three days later, and I'm so happy on the train, thinking about all these fantastic things and seeing you and going on trips and like hanging out with my dad and moving into a cool apartment and all these places I want to write for and blah, blah, blah. And then my brain was literally like, some people might not like you. And And I just stopped and I was like, okay, no. I was like, I can literally decide whether I go down that little rabbit hole right now or I can just be like, like, nah, not even going there. And I went, then I was fine. Mine is very much the same like I'll, I'll get in this anxiety like I woke up this morning I was like I'm so stressed I've got so much to do I'm so anxious and I do have like it is a busy day today like I have a lot to do but it's doable and it's just this weird thing where my brain switches and it's like no it's not you can't do it and then I sit looking at my computer screen for like an hour being like I can't do it and then I pick up Instagram and scroll for like another hour and then I'm like why the fuck did I do yeah. that <laughs> I'm like I'm so busy and my screen time today <laughs> is four hours and two minutes like, yeah. is that a sick joke? What's I even doing? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, that physically cannot be possible unless I'm waking up at 4 a.m. and, and scrolling for like an hour. And it's down on average. Yeah, it's fucked. I know. Yeah, it's like, I do that when I'm stressed out as well. I'll like go and start scrolling for a bit and then get all panicky. Like last night I should have just done this piece that's due today. I should have just done it. But instead I like didn't and then just scrolled around and like did absolute crap for for like an hour and a half and I was like you could have just finished stuff then so weird I know productivity is hard but let's now jump into actual things because we have a whole episode planned we'll just like yeah condense it yeah you do have recommendations and things for you Mm-hmm. My first thing is that I watched I was like is you have to watch this brand new show it's a hot new thing yada 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 and turns out it was it's been out in England for like months and months mm-hmm. but it's called years and years and it's with Emma Thompson who's like one of our favorite humans on the planet yeah and she basically plays I've only one episode in but it's just come out on SBS on demand in Australia and it's got really fantastic reviews and it's great and it's basically set in 2024 during the second Trump presidency in England and it's kind of taken all of these like technological trends and political trends and kind of come up with a very realistic future and Emma Thompson is playing this she's like a kind of Donald Trump-esque figure Mm. who like is a um entrepreneur who just gets on tv and like quote unquote just says things as they are like says like 
outrageous, semi-racist things, but is very entertaining and just keeps getting put on television because they're entertaining and becomes more and more of a kind of political figure in Britain. This is going on against the backdrop of like all the things that are going on now kind of getting worse, but it's really clever. I love it. I'm so excited to watch it. I tried to find it, but um, yeah, I was like, I feel like this has been out for a long time. Chris was like, what? I know, because so, there's posters of it all over Sydney, and I was like, oh, my God, we're going to be on this hot new show. Um, but it's so clever. Like, there's this bit in the first episode where this couple, their daughter, is really introspective and really, like, um, quiet and doesn't really talk to them. And they sit down with her, and she's like, I need to talk to you. And they check her iPad search history, and it's all, like, searching about like trans so what to do if you're a trans um help when you're trans blah 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 and they're like oh my god okay this is great we can handle this we know what to do they sit down and they're ready and she's like I'm trans and they're like we love you so much like we're gonna support you we're gonna figure out everything out the hormones everything we're gonna help you and she was like no I want to be transhuman I want to put my brain inside like a digital chip and like live on the internet and not live in my body anymore. And apparently this is like this thing that like people are guessing is going to happen in the future. What? That people are going to like outsource their physical bodies and live as only like digital presences. It's wild. But it's like that. It's kind of like black mirror like that. Oh, my God. I know. It's hectic. Okay. I really want to watch that. I have been listening to lots and lots of podcasts. Um Firstly, I listened to this really old episode of um, <laughs> Oprah's podcast, which is not mm. not usually my jam. Like I do like Oprah, but she can be a little bit annoying. Um, and it's called Super Soul Conversations. It's her podcast. And she did one with Ariana Huffington at the end of 2017, who started the Huffington Post. And it's all about um, – so I didn't know this, but – no, sorry. I Googled this, and I can't figure out if it actually is based off – her but I think it is Leanne Moriarty's new book Nine Perfect Strangers starts with a really powerful CEO fainting and hitting her desk and waking up like in a pool of her own blood and that's what Ariana Huffington did yes I remember when that happened to Ariana Huffington then she wrote this big book about sleep right and how like sleep is essential to human performance and stuff so big book about success so basically that happened to her and then she was like okay I think I'm successful because I have money and I'm powerful and I've created this business, but waking up in a pool of your own blood is not something that is scream success. Um, so she came up with a book. Yeah. And then she kind of, her whole book is about redefining it and which I found really interesting of the back of our conversation about everything we're doing. And she was like, success She's redefined success to be about four pillars, which is well-being, wisdom, giving, and connection. And then she talks about how she has two nap rooms in the Huffington Post, so people can go and take a nap whenever they like. Um, she turns her phone off every single night and takes it out of the room at a specific time so to clear her head. She sleeps seven to eight hours a night and all talking about how like we focus so much on, our, on what we're projecting to the world with success. But then it's like pretty much exactly what we've just talked about. But then in our head, it can be, we can be like anxious, really stressed out, not getting enough sleep, not looking after our body, not looking after our mind. And then what's the point? Yeah, totally. I think it like comes back to an episode that we did ages ago. I think the title was like 
is ambition overrated mm. and how we, we've kind of been sold this, like, line, especially as women because we're, like, the post stay-at-home mum generation where we're kind of told that women's fulfilment lies in ambition and success at work. Yeah. And, like, the basis of that is good because it's about, like, not relying on a male counterpart for your finance and being financially independent and going and sitting at the table and leaning in and being part of the executive board and being part of all of those things that have been traditionally male success. But I think we've just gone for that so head first that now we're kind of seeing this like movement back where we're like, is this making anyone happy? Like it's, it's probably making a small portion of highly, highly, highly naturally ambitious people happy. But for the average person, it's probably just like an extra level of uh, metric with which we have to measure our self-worth against. And yeah. really, I, yeah, I think I, I do really feel and maybe like I'll, I'll feel different in six months' time when I do it, but I just do feel that I will be a happier, more fulfilled person doing less. Oh, totally. Well, I, yeah. I feel like that now. I really do. It takes – a while to get there and I just warned Grace before we recorded that when you do quit your job you feel really confused for a while and I felt confused and scared but now it's funny because we're talking about it but I've kind of come out the other side where I feel really happy and really energized and I get to like the wing where we work at eight o'clock every morning and start working on when you're working on your own thing it feels completely different. Like you're working for yourself and you're mm-hmm. creating something for yourself. And yes, it's scary and you have to be better with money and put aside budgets, which is like a very big issue for the two of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go back to Please refer back to our money episode. Um, I'm literally like finding the weirdest shit to buy. I'm just like, I need this now suddenly. And you just do not. Sometimes want- I just walk past like a shop and I'm like, what can I buy in there? Yes, I I'll go to... Like a, sometimes I'd buy, like, a Boost Juice. Yeah, I'll go to a pharmacy and leave, and I would have spent 40 or 50 pound. <laughs> like, it's not even about clothes. Like, at least for you, it's about clothes, so you're getting something substantial and, like, beautiful. But for me, I will literally, like, go into a shop and be like, Anton needs a new really nice drink bottle. I also need a keep cup. This person that I met yesterday on the subway looked like they needed a scarf. I'll just buy shit constantly. Everything that I can think of. It's crazy. Did I tell you I read this book called Financially Fearless? I obviously didn't finish it, which is why we're still at the place we are. But it's by this woman called Alexis Von Tobel who launched LearnVest, which was like an, uh, an investment, what's the word, like tool, online tool for women, teaching them the basis of financial investment in a way that like works for female brains. She's like a Vogue US columnist as well. She's really cool. But she was like, your first memory with money dictates your relationship with money. Mm. Which is really interesting. I can't remember that. She was saying, she was like, my first memory is like my parents fighting about money. And she was like, if you have negative connotations of money, you want to get rid of it because mm. you don't you don't like it. So you mm. want you you spend it as a psychological thing of not wanting it in your account because you think money leads to bad things. Money leads to conflict. Money leads to aggression money leads to whatever so you subconsciously want to get rid of it whereas people whose first memories of money is like saving up to buy I don't know something they really wanted and getting that thing are like money is good I like money I like to see money in my account and money makes me feel 
good, basically. Yeah, I think it, it is a thing, you know, how people say when you run, this is another <laughs> myth, urban myth, legend I've heard, when you run for ages, you get like a runner's high and you get addicted to it. A lot of my mm. friends are like that with money where they've just saved a little bit and then you get addicted to saving. And I feel like I'm like on the cusp of that being right. a reality. You're on the precipice of a money high. The <laughs> yeah. save is high. Yeah. But then I'll get to the end of the week and be like, oh, I'm going to buy some FKA Twigs tickets, which I did. That's, which that's is a pretty good investment. Yeah. That's fine. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Another good podcast that we both listened to, I listened to on your recommendation was an amazing episode of The Daily. I listen to The Daily every day, and this is probably the most memorable one in a while, I would say, mm-hmm. because of sex. And it is an interview with a woman who is suing her old employers who let her go when she came out as trans. It happened, like, years and years ago, like seven or eight years ago, I think. Mm. And she's taken it to the Supreme Court, and that's basically causing this huge legal case, probably the most important legal case of the year, in terms of whether or not you're allowed to di- uh, discriminate people based on their gender. Yeah. You're not allowed to discriminate people based on their gender, but if the f- the term sex in terms of not being able to discriminate people based on their sex extends to, like, gender non-binary and trans people as well, which to me seems like obviously it would, but they have a Republican-heavy Supreme Court, including old mate uh, Brett Kavanaugh, so the numbers are kind of against it but it should be a black and white like legal thing yeah but even one of the conservative guys was like if you read it as it states it then it should be for her but yeah yeah, because there's so there's more conservatives um who knows what's going to happen like even at the end of the daily i was like surely this is going to go through but the guy was like well if you look at it and black and white with what these people would normally vote, it probably she probably won't win the case. But this it start the episode starts with a really. It, I was were you crying within like a minute? No, sort of no, but it was very emotional. <laughs> yeah, it starts with um her reading. Was she reading it out or was the host Amy? Yeah, yeah, reading she out was, a letter yeah. she'd written to her boss coming out as trans, and man, it was just. I just feel, yeah. The world yeah, it was such a beautifully twice. written letter. Mm. And then for someone to turn around and be like, you're now fired. It's just I know. A when they said that the boss took a few days to come back with a letter of their own, I was like, oh, this is going to be beautiful. And then it was like, you have a week to pick up your shit. I was like, God. So insane. Yeah, and they said a huge argument of it, which I feel always happens with these sorts of things is a huge argument of it is like about women being um feeling uncomfortable when a trans woman uses the same public bathroom as them i was like this isn't what mm. the fight is about yeah well the idea in this court case now the reason it's become so complicated is that if they rule in favor of amy in this case it means that um anything that could be extrapolated as being um discriminatory to trans people could become like a legal offense so they're saying that if you have gendered bathrooms that there's this fucking moral panic about bathrooms it's just crazy i just think that like i know not everyone would but i just feel like a, a vast majority of people will understand 
that if a transitioning or trans person is in the bathroom that they belong in there. You know what I mean? Like it's not someone coming in who's trying to prey on people. Yeah, it's just like you're extrapolating a a scenario in which like a very uh, hetero, masculine, like cis man is going to just storm into a woman's bathroom full of like young girls and make everyone feel uncomfortable. Like it's just you're you're inventing a scenario in your head that just won't happen in real life to try Mm. and win an argument that's pointless trying to win. Mm. Yeah, I know. I I found that area. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Really interesting episode. And then another thing that I read, which is really interesting is about um a an athlete who um named mary kane who was the fastest girl in the world at one point so in 2013 she was the youngest american track and field athlete to make a world championship team and basically you know everyone thinks she's going to be the next most famous runner women's runner in the world and then she got signed to um nike's origin project which is like the best track team in the world and you get trained by this famous coach Alberto Salazar and she said that when she got signed to that team everything fell apart because um they were so obsessed with her winning and so obsessed with her making with making her thinner that she got burnt out and got sick and eventually just like faded away and they said that it's this huge thing that happens in sport where there's these athletes who are you know people think are going to win gold medals and going to be the biggest most famous people in the world and then eventually they burn away because they get pushed to like the point where they're about to die and this figure skater um gracie gold who also talks in the piece um she developed disordered eating to the point that she imagined taking her own life off the back of being in this this group of athletes and another one talked and said that all of the teammates were weighed in front of each other and that it was like this mentality. It's just strange to me because I just, I just like imagine in a sport like running or or figure skating. Like, I mean, figure skating maybe I guess a bit more because they have that kind of like showmanship aspect of it where they wear the makeup and the dresses mm-hmm. and stuff. But running, I'm like, I don't understand how that's even a relevant factor when you're running. What your weight is? Like, surely it's just, yeah, what your yeah. weight. Like, surely it's just about like your um, speed, obviously, but also I guess like. Your, your muscle density or your, mm. uh, like, BMI or whatever. I just don't understand how you, your weight on the scales has anything to do with it. Yeah. Unless there's something to reach. Like, like, you'd think if someone was sick to the point where they had an eating disorder, that would, would, would 
be the worst case scenario for an elite athlete in terms of their strength. Um, It's really strange. And again, they were talking about, you know, the mentality of anyone would kill kill to be in your position. And um, one of them was saying that they got fed specific meals and then she would go into her room and open up a protein bar and be like petrified that the coach was going to hear the protein bar wrapper opening that she ate secretly Mm -hmm. in the dark. I was like, this is crazy, man. You don't think about this going on and like women's sports so much especially now and especially in such high mm. profile such a high profile environment like like nike yeah it's really interesting if they responded to her like allegations yeah they've responded and said that they're looking into it um and then they said as well it was kind of it was a response where they sort of felt like victim blaming a bit because they said that mary kane was trying as as soon as like sorry as recently as earlier this year to still be trained by Salazar because she reached out to him and wanted to be trained by him away from Nike. And then she responded to that to the New York times and said that it was really a, um, uh, what's the, what's it called? Like it was kind of this abusive power dynamic where she really, she wanted his Mm -hmm. approval so much that she was like willing to kill herself to get it kind of thing. So it's it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Nike have also said, you know, they're looking into it and obviously they don't want anyone feeling like that. So they're going to make, take measures to make sure it's not a thing. And this guy actually has been suspended because um, there was like this huge doping scandal that came out surrounding him. So he's not training at the moment, I don't think. Far out. Elite sports is this crazy, like, other world that we're just so not across, but I'm sure is from everything I've heard is just absolutely wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, we listen, I told you to watch it but i can't remember what it's called now a cycling documentary that icarus yeah so crazy yeah i also read a really good piece on the new york times this week uh it's called as men are cancelled so too are magazine subscriptions and the so is the boys club of glossy publishing confronts an identity crisis by alex williams it's basically about which I guess when I think about it for one second is a really obvious thing about how men's glossy magazines are struggling to find an identity in this kind of post me too woke world in like a time when everyone's obsessed by the idea of toxic masculinity and male identity is kind of in flux and confused and all over the show and people can't really settle on what a healthy depiction of masculinity is, how these magazines that are tasked with, like, representing masculinity are adapting. This guy's, like, a bit snarky, but I kind of love it. And he kind of says that, like, what they're doing is akin to, like, if Kodak had answered the threat of digital photography by pivoting from film to outdoor grills. <laughs> so he's basically saying that their their tack is to just offer something that has nothing to do with masculinity whatsoever and is instead a kind of gender neutral female focused magazine so for example Pharrell is on the cover of uh GQ which has had like a big revamp under Will Well she's this super cool editor who like put Frank Ocean on the cover in that hectic tie-dye mm. shirt and like he's awesome I think this guy's been not giving him much credit but he's talking about how like in the new issue of GQ it's Pharrell on the cover in a Moncler genius dress and how like GQ's response to new masculinity is to kind of represent something that is very palatable to online audiences, but doesn't actually reflect the men that their magazine is supposed to be catering to. Mm. 
Yeah. Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um there obviously is such an opportunity to do something with this. And I think maybe mm. GQ has swung like a bit too far to the other side to the point where it might alienate a lot of the men who did read it. And then obviously people who are already on that vibe are probably reading things elsewhere. But I do like what they're attempting to do. And I actually really loved a story um, in the current issue, which is um, they got all these different people to talk about toxic masculinity. And they got, and I feel like that's a really easy to digest way to kind of pick up what they're putting down. Totally. I I actually disagree with this guy. I think what they're doing is really fucking cool. And I think that um, Will Welsh has said before that he thinks that the future of magazine publishing is to go more niche. So to have, not try to appeal to everyone, try to appeal to a smaller subset of people, but do what they want really, really, really well. So I think it's clever. But yes, continue. Um, And they got Hannah Gadsby to talk to, sorry, to write a piece in it. And it's, I loved everything she said. And she's basically saying, you know, why is everyone so scared of not being masculine? Um, what if the men look to traditional feminine traits and co- tried incorporating them into your masculinity, which is what women are always encouraged to do. Like women are always encouraged to be bolder and to speak up in meetings and to exaggerate your skills. Um, and perhaps it's time for men to be a little bit more ladylike and sort of scale back on their confidence and try not to act in every situation and refrain from sharing your opinions all the time and yielding when people are walking in the opposite direction or like even just attempting (laughs) to see them at all. Um, And I agree with that so much. I actually pitched this as a story once and it wasn't picked up, but I was like, someone needs to write something about the fact that uh, the way that women are always framed as the pathways to success are always to do with emulating masculine qualities and so little is said and I know Tina Brown wrote that great piece about how women lead um about Jacinda Ardern and Angela Merkel um but so much less is written about the ways in which like men could learn from from feminine traits and I think like women have a lot of traits that really lend themselves to leadership roles women are actually less women are emotional but in some ways they're they're less emotional than men are in terms of being able to kind of the aggression is lessened the competitiveness is is lessened the kind of big swinging dick thing and beating out someone else and showing your top dog thing is lessened with women there is like a level of clarity of thinking yeah they just don't get credit for and and this she even says at the end she goes what I'm saying is I have empathy for you. And empathy, by the way, is one of the traits that women are most famous for. You might not by its other name, weakness. But don't be fooled. Empathy is a superpower. And it's not the only one that any human has to offer. Hannah. <laughs> She's a clever woman, isn't she? Very clever. That's fantastic. Mm. Um, and I'm also reading Catch and Kill, which is brilliant by Ronan Farrow. I- that I've is... got a real thing for Ronan oh, Farrow. Oh, God, I know. I just think he's a bloody genius. He um, reposted my Instagram story the other day, so you know how then you're just, like, in a direct yeah. message with each other, and I was just, like, looking at the screen for so long. I was like, how do I? I love you. <laughs> do I say anything? <laughs> like, Would you like to be a guest on After Work Drinks? <laughs> yeah, and I just looked at it for so long and then eventually just closed it. I was like, oh, well. Um, but uh, yeah, he, the book is so good. I'm only 
I don't know, a third of the way in, but already it's just, it's just so explosive in so many different ways, all about how, um, the head of the National Enquirer, who's actually suing all of these different, um, bookstores, because he doesn't want the book to be published in them, because it says so much mm. about him, about how they had a huge room in, um, American media where they would put all of these stories that they'd killed about Trump and Weinstein because he was in bed with both of them and these email Mm. chains between him and Weinstein about finding dirt on people like Rose McGowan and publishing it so that they to discredit them it's like it's so Mm. juicy and crazy and all about how NBC um he was first investigating Weinstein for them but then they ended up killing the story because they were trying to protect all of the people they had paid off for sexual Matt Lauer right yeah Matt, Matt Lauer, Lauer and all of these accusations yeah. and he was the NBC breakfast host yeah, I don't know if I'm making host. that up he had a connection right yeah yeah and he, that's was why big, they... he was the biggest most famous person there um and they were secretly paying people off to stay silent about sexual misconduct allegations at the time that Ronan Farrow was investigating Weinstein and so then they killed the story and he was like what the fuck and then found out all of this off the back of it and then he went to the New Yorker and wrote it and won a Pulitzer Prize and then Matt Lauer got fired anyway and that's why I love David Remnick so much I just feel like he's so he's the editor of the New Yorker he's one of my favorite people in media I'm absolutely obsessed with him I listen to all of his podcasts and read all of his work and he's just so level-headed and calm and cool and he'll just put the shit out that other people don't want to do mm. like he'll just he'll put Ronan Farrow's work out he believes so much in like the power of good journalism yeah and even the editor of the New York Times how he was just like no we're going to publish all of this about Weinstein even though Weinstein was like turning up there with all these high-profile lawyers saying they were going to shut the magazine down sorry shut the newspaper yeah, Dean, down yeah Dean Bacay I hope I'm saying back B-A-Q-U-E-T, um, who's the executive editor of the Times, Jodie and Megan talk about him and um, she said, and they say that Harvey would always, because he's a man, would always be like, I'm talking to Dean, I'm talking to Dean, man to man, Dean, blah, blah, blah. And every single time he was like, you talk to the girls. Yeah, Don't talk, call me. talk to the journalists. Yeah. yeah, talk to the reporters. He was like, I'm not like, I trust them so implicitly. I do not want to fucking hear from you. And yeah. I was like, what a legend. Yeah, and then um, Jodie and Megan said that, it got to the like the hour before publishing and Weinstein hadn't uh, responded. Like he hadn't done his right of reply. And so they were waiting for that, waiting for that, waiting for his statement. And then, um, yeah, Dean just came in and like, didn't he just like call Weinstein? It was like, this is going to print right fucking now, whether you release a statement or not. And then just like hung up. And then the Weinstein statement came through within 10 minutes. Yeah. So good. Legends. We need more people like Ronan Farrow in this world. I know. It's such a good book. I'm excited to read it. I'm going to borrow it from you. And also we haven't even talked about the bushfires, which is crazy. Holy. Yeah, it's 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 pretty horrendous, to be honest. Like, I think the level, the, the most horrible, this is not the most horrible thing, obviously. The most horrible thing you? is people losing their homes and the firefighters working insane shifts and the amazing, like, human sacrifice that's been involved. But 400 koalas have died so far. Yeah, it's so sad. I can't handle that it. Is... That's when I used to – the one ad I used to cry about all the single, all the time when it came on TV was when the firefighter <sighs> saved the koala from the fire. I know, and now they're not able to save them. And there's all these pictures on Instagram of them at rescue shelters and they've got little, like, pink bandages on their hands. Yeah, it's so sad. 
It's just awful. And it's just, there was a thing I saw just before that apparently um, they've uncovered uh, exclusive email. Scott Morrison has been obviously terrible in trying to massively, massively just deny any link between this and climate change, which is frankly absurd. Um, Freudian Nip, who are these two comedic duo based in Sydney whose work I'm really obsessed with, they do skits for SBS as the feed, did an amazing parody of him like avoiding the question during a press conference. It's really good. You should Google it. But uh, a report just came out, I think it's in The Guardian, saying that uh, New South Wales public servants at the climate change conference were told not to discuss the link between climate change and bushfires. What the fuck? Yeah, exclusive. An email from government directs attendees at a conference on climate adaptation to stay quiet on bushfire climate link. As if that's not going to come out, you fucking idiots. I know, but I'm just like, why? It like, what? It's literally like the world is burning. It's happening everywhere. There's, there's just, it's been this continuous thing all year. I just don't understand how people can continue to bury their head in the sand. Mm. And then Jacinda Ardern's out here making like zero carbon policies in New Zealand. So frustrating. I was reading an article today about how um, carbon neutrality was the one of the biggest quote unquote trends. A fashion month it's a fantastic fashion trend but basically um brands like burberry were paying to offset the price of uh sorry the cost of every single attendee coming to their show plus all of the cost of like the production of putting on the show so they donated whatever much to like offset the carbon emissions that's amazing yeah it's amazing a lot of brands did it uh, gabriella hearst did it gucci did it um there are a handful of others, but it's becoming this kind of base level thing in the fashion industry, which I think is fucking awesome. That's so good. Um, speaking of depressing subjects, um, the Grace Mullane trial is happening in New Zealand at the moment, um, which is all over the news there. And it's just every single day more horrific evidence is released like cctv footage of her going into his apartment is released now cctv footage of him walking out of his apartment allegedly with her in suitcase like so much is public jesus christ yeah and her parents are obviously in new zealand in the room hearing him deny because he pleaded not guilty which is the just most you shouldn't be allowed to do that horrible thing in the world (laughs) but like Shouldn't be allowed to plead not guilty. No, not Is he case. as a judge? She's like, sorry, that's not an option <laughs> for you. Get just in jail. Just to put people through that much pain know, and suffering. I know, it is. It's a disgrace. It just adds an act. Like, a, a lot of families who go through the trauma of, of having a um, uh, a daughter or, or sister female family member murdered often say that the trial is more traumatic. Yeah, because they're sitting there cases. right now and he's saying that she died during consensual sex because she wanted rough sex and acting like she's, they're basically trying to bring up everyone she's ever had sex with and talk about all of like painting her out to be this promiscuous person who was obsessed with having violent sex and that it happened as an accident. And then um, this week they've had another girl on the stand who said she, um, who alleges that she felt like she was going to die during sex with him, which was, the sex was consensual, but not the choking. And she literally mm. said that she can't, she rolled her head to a side, pretended to be unconscious, and um, mm. thought that that's how her friends and family were going to find out about her death. It's just crazy. It's so sad. Jesus. 
my yeah. god, that makes that literally turns my stomach. We did a huge episode um, at the time. If anyone's forgotten the Grace Millane case, because it was a New Zealand-based case, um, we did a huge episode at the time when it happened. Just about like we didn't know the details of the case. Obviously, we didn't know the details that are coming out in the trial, but um, just about all the ways in which women are just accustomed, are taught to become accustomed to like creepy behaviour, to small acts of violence by men to agreeing with situations in which they're uncomfortable. It's just mm. this horrible culture we have in the world of dating and especially for young women. And I just think that, like, that the trial obviously just goes to prove a lot of the things that we were talking about. Yeah, so she is a British um... – she was 21. She died on the eve of her 22nd birthday and she was traveling around for three months on a, you know, three month OE. And she had arrived in New Zealand a couple of weeks beforehand and then met um, the accused on a Tinder date. And then, um, yeah, they went back to his house. But this girl who has been on the stand this week has said that they, that when she met him, they were supposed to go on a date to a restaurant. And then he said to her, well, she alleges he said to her, that um, he needed to go to back to his room to pick up something. So they went, like, back to his room to pick up something. And then when they mm. got to the room, he was like, oh, let's just have a drink here. Oh, let's just have another drink here. Oh, we're not going out for dinner. Oh, now I think I'm going to die because I'm getting choked. Like, it's just Jesus. Yeah, it's just horrible. And I think, like, everyone in New Zealand right now is just in the state of sadness. Um, but then it also does pay to note Grace Mullane has been – a case that's been really high profile because of the fact that she was, you know, 21, she was white, she's beautiful, she's traveling from Britain. Jacinda Ardern did a big, like, speech where she was almost in tears when she died. And it's another mm. instance where Tinder's involved. So it's another thing that people use a lot and people can relate to a lot. But we need to remember that there are so, so, so many deaths that aren't getting this much atten media attention um, in New Zealand, especially, um, like, the majority of which are by people who. Um, are known to the victims and the majority of which are people who are indigenous. It's just like, it's, mm. uh, you, I feel like that's a huge part that's being overlooked as well. Which yeah. Is sad. Like it's, it's good that the amount, the amount of media scrutiny that is on this case is on this case, but unfortunately it's not as rare as we would like to think it is. Yeah. There's just, there's just specific cases that peak media interest. Yeah. You know, like, definitely. like Maddie McCann when there's all these mm. other children who go missing all the time. Mm. <sighs> so it's just sad. Oh, my God, it's it's absolutely awful. It literally just makes me want to bloody burst into tears looking at her. Mm. You just think, like, it's just this thing where it's, like, completely senseless. Just didn't need to happen. Yeah. Well, I he was just – he sounds like he was just a predator who was – and he mm. went on a – so he went on another Tinder date the next day. While, um, allegedly, while she was still in his apartment. Oh, my goodness. And on that date, he was um, asking, he was telling a story of, like, how to get away with murder or something, and it sounded like, the girl said it sounded like he was trying to verify whether his story would hold. Oh, my it's, goodness. It's crazy, yeah. Poor Grace. Um. In lighter news, I feel like we do need to touch on um, another UK scandal. So it's not as big as Rebecca Vardy and uh, Colleen Rooney, but it is quite interesting. So a 
mummy blogger called Clemmy Hooper, um, who's also a midwife, she was found out to be, um, she had this alias online called Alice in Wonderland or something. And um, she was talking crap about all, like a bunch of her friends, her husband and all these other mummy bloggers and um, influencers under this pseudonym. Um, her I, husband, just to cover is like an even bigger influencer than her. Yeah. As a, as a like daddy blogger, I guess yeah. you'd call it. Yeah, so, like, yeah. She called him a class A twat. Oh, my goodness. Let me. Yeah, so this is, it's kind of, it's one of those things where it sounds like it's not, it sounds like it's a mummy blogger scandal and it's kind of juicy and interesting in the fact, in the sense that, like, it's crazy that she was lying to all her friends and family for eight months and, um, you know, she's quite a famous midwife and she's released a book and she's really successful. But then there's this other side of it where I've been going quite deep into some of the people that she was um, bagging under this pseudonym. And it's a lot of the times it was race related, which then brings up this whole other question of her career as being a midwife, because there's a statistic where black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth than white women. And so, really? yeah. And so, a lot of women are kind of like she's bringing race into it. She went on a, a black mummy blogger podcast and was talking all about that statistic. And then she was bagging that exact woman under her pseudonym and saying that she's aggressive and always brings everything back to race and just saying that there was a whole thing about her, like accusing lots of, um, non-white women in the mummy blogger community of only achieving what they'd achieved because they were quote unquote playing the race card that she that was a regular thing that she accused people of yeah which is pretty disgusting like that's not fucking run-of-the-mill like getting down and dirty with the mummy bloggers like that's exactly and then and then it brings up questions about whether she should be able to be a midwife if she is racist yeah um which is quite interesting yeah i feel like that's really fascinating i didn't realize that that whole thing got as um deep and serious as that i thought it was kind of like a funny weird yeah but i think that's i think it's interesting when you do read into it a bit more because a lot of the publications who are reporting on this in the uk are kind of taking her side in a sense where they're sort of being like you know obviously her mental health was impacted by years of I don't know like the reason she says she started this fake account was yeah because she had years of trolling she wanted to stick up for her family but it's like what about all of these people that you've severely impacted with your trolling like I don't think it's really fair to play the mental health card with her just to let her get away with doing something really bad and horrible and something that's impacted other women's mental health for the past eight months. Like it's, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like people have really taken this, the side of her because she's, you know, the face of MS and she's this um, like beautiful white woman with four little blonde daughters. And I don't know, it just it mm. feels a bit grotty the way it's been framed over here yeah there's like I do feel like people have kind of jumped to like defend her and to not um to give her the benefit of the doubt and I think there is scope like I don't like pile on culture where we just hate someone 
forever over something. Um, but I also, and I understand that trolling on that level, and especially when your children are bought into it, would be like really emotionally taxing and would have a really big impact on you. But like, it, I don't think that's a justification for the level of what she did. And it's like, I remember reading Chrissy Teigen's interview in Vanity Fair recently, and she was like, having these platforms isn't a right. Like you don't have a God-given right to have uh, 600,000 Instagram followers and to make lots of money off of it. Like that's the privilege that you earn. So if you mess up and you ruin that opportunity, just like in any other job, like you don't just have a right to keep having a job just because maybe your intentions were okay. Like this is Mm. kind of the level at which like, you probably no longer deserve to have that platform if this is the way that you're going to use it. Yeah, it's so true. It's, yeah, I I just feel like... You can believe in forgiveness and also believe that, like, this is a person not deserving of a huge amount of, like, social influence and sway and and money-making capacity. Exactly. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen there. It's quite... She, and also her apology, she apologized on her Instagram stories, which disappears after 24 mm. hours. She hasn't even addressed it on her feed, which I think is a really crap way to apologize about potentially ruining people's lives for eight months. Mm. You know, like take, like take ownership of it and apologize properly and say what you've learned from it and how ways you're going to make up for it instead of just trying. I think, I honestly feel like her next post, she's just going to act normal. Which I just don't think mm. is yeah. It is pretty funny to call your husband a class A twat on your fake account and then go back to your real account and she was like, Happy eleven years. I was like <laughs> Yeah, bloody hell God. We all need to get off social media, I think. Yeah. It kind of, it reminds me of um Carolyn Calloway. Mm. A bit. Mm. Um, and then the other gross news story of the week is T.I. Oh, God. I'm I'm getting depressed now. I know. Too many horrible things in a row. Well, I was trying to make the blogger one less horrible, but then I was like, I actually think what she did was really bad. Um, But, yeah, so everyone's probably heard of what happened with T.I., but basically he went on a podcast um, and then he was talking about how he takes his 18-year-old daughter every year on her birthday. On the day of her birthday? I'm like, God to um, check if her hymen is intact and that she is still a virgin. And for some reason, a doctor, it's legal to do that. Um, and he it made these... It's illegal in some states. Oh, okay. I read. And he made... I read a good thing about virginity testing because apparently it's actually super, like not super common, but like much more common than you'd think. Which is crazy because you can't actually, like your hymen could be broken for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I read a really great piece and I need to find it somewhere about like the the uh like hymen virginity myth, how it's this like very outdated thing, but it has like horrific real world consequences. Like there are obviously religious communities in which women can literally be killed if they have one of these checks and their hymen's still unintact. There's like a huge culture in certain parts of America where this is like very, very commonplace. It's been made illegal in certain states. But like I think on top of everything else, the irony of a rapper whose most famous song is Whatever You Like, which is just about like how it's absolutely fine to go around and just like boost people and have like a free sexual, like liberated 
relationship with sex as a woman to then be like this about his own daughter. It's just like the double standard there is absolutely fucking. I know. And what about his son? Where does he come into it? I don't know. Just can't have sex with whoever he likes. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, so his daughter afterwards liked a bunch of tweets which called it disgusting and wrong and she's like unfollowed him on social media. I'm pretty sure she still lives with him though, so I'm just feel sorry for her with whatever she's going through right now. But it's just this like additional thing of like not only doing it, which is revolting, but like telling someone on a podcast about it, like the humiliation on top of that that – half of the bloody western world is talking about you and your virginity when you're a teenage girl like it's just the whole thing is just not okay Mm. it's yeah i it's just so wrong that he thought he could do that and i and i hope that like this coming out has sparked some conversations with any other loser who thinks they can do that to their daughter (laughs) seriously (laughs) that's crazy not cool I know. I think we can all agree that this is not okay. He has six children. Wild. I didn't forgot T.I. even bloody existed. Yeah. I was like, mute T.I. And then I was like, God, I love his only song. I don't know that song. He said that to me. I was like, I need to look it up. It's like encapsulates entirely me being a 16-year-old girl in Perth going to parties in summer. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Okay. Um, shall we wrap it up? Yeah. Let's do it. So we're actually taking a break now for three weeks. Please um, be ready and waiting for us on what date will it be? One, two, three. The 12th of December. Um, because we'll be back better than ever. We'll be in the same room. We'll both have wines in our hands. We may or may not have a special guest. And we will... Oh, new music. The whole shebang. It's all go. The whole shebang. Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting time. So mark your calendars, December 12th, and yep. we'll see you then. And while we're on break, we'll still be active on our Instagram, posting our recommendations on there and in our closed Facebook group, After Work Drinks Podcast. So if you still want to hear from us, please join us on there, and we will see you in three weeks. Bye. See you in three weeks. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.